This week, we talk about the Elden Ring DLC that may be coming soon, Capcom's new DRM causing major issues with their games, Take-Two versus Remedy, Ubisoft wanting us to give up on owning games, and more. All of this tonight, but first, on to that beautiful bean intro. Welcome to the place where PC and console gaming talk combine. This is the Orange Box Podcast, episode 15. I am your host, the man whose skinny cheats were disabled by DRM, Nathan, also known as the Frozen Gamer 87. And joining me, as always, the man who will be most happy when he owns every game, Justin, better known as I Am Zericon. How you doing today, Justin? Not too bad, uh, not too bad. It's been a hectic week, uh, some stuff going on, but overall, I guess I can't say it's too bad. I've, uh, I, I went back to a sort of project I had done before that was making a sort of media PC. Um, I halted that pr- production just because I was having some technical difficulties, but I started getting back into it, um, I think things are going pretty well. I think I've found a couple problems I might have been having. Um, Things are going well. However, I think I might, for the time being, I might consider using that for gaming, uh, just because it is capable. I do actually have a dedicated graphics card in there um, and a pretty decent CPU. So I might do that. I might switch off from uh, my laptop and start and do a little gaming on there, but um, I'll see, I'll see. Cool, cool. All right, yeah, that's pretty cool. Um, so, what what kind of graphics card do you have in that in that PC? Um, originally, it was a GTX 980 that I had bought in the middle of the <laughs> in the middle of the uh, GPU shortage, mm-hmm. um, and then sometime after, probably about several years later, I saw that Best Buy was selling um, new. Uh, AMD RX 580 8GB variant um, for I think it was $125 and so I said I'll get that and so um, that's what's in there right now cool cool yeah I still have a a 980 a GTX 980 in a second PC I built after I upgraded my current PC I just didn't think I'd be able to get enough money off the other stuff to make it worthwhile, so I just decided to build a second PC, and that one just stays in the guest room. Um, and, and it doesn't get much of any use, but I just had a hard time parting with stuff that I wouldn't really get much of anything for, and I figured at least that way if, you know, down the line, like, try to get my kids into PC gaming, that sort of thing, that could be a starter PC for them. Mm-hmm. So. But yeah, that's cool. Uh, yeah, my week has been uh, interesting. Um, there's been it's been fairly busy, off and on. Um, I was able to get a decent amount of stuff done over the weekend, though, so that was good. And um, my daughter turned five years old. My youngest child turned five years old on Monday. So it's it's kind of crazy to think that it's been that long, considering. 
our kids were all born within a year and a half of each other. <laughs> so, <laughs> it's like uh, November 2015, July 2017, and January 2019. So very wow. close together. And it, it, <laughs> um, we haven't had any new kids since then. So, but it's, uh, yeah, it, it's really cool seeing how much my kids have grown and especially seeing, you know, my daughter. I mean, she's, she's always been like the most talkative of the three. Like, I mean, she was definitely talking the earliest and she still, she's talked the most since she started talking. And that was like 18 months that she started talking. And yeah, back then it was a lot more, um, babbling, but she, she was still saying more words at 18 months than either the boys were. And she definitely is the one who still talks the most. Something, this is random, just kind of going off on a tangent, but something that I realized very early on is that key things about each kid's personality display themselves from the time that they're first born. Um, hmm. So, like, well, actually, in the case of my daughter, it was before she was born that one of her key personality traits displayed itself. So my oldest, his his is very much um, stubbornness, which, I mean, that, I mean, be, being, like, stubborn, quiet, very focused on, like, technical stuff versus actually talking um, to where he, it ended up acting to his detriment because he ended up being very behind in his speech, but he's, he's made a lot of progress. Um, and then my middle son, it was hunger. Um, from from the time he was a baby, he was sucking on his thumb like immediately after he came out of the womb, and <laughs> and food is is his focus a lot of the times. He's he's talking about his next meal or the next time he gets to have dessert and that <laughs> sort of thing all the time. It's like it takes a little too much after me in that way. Um, <laughs> And then my daughter, it's indecisiveness. So, um, as a little bit of background, when we, I mean, of course, all of our kids were born when we were in Alaska. So they were all born in Alaska. Um, because of the fact that we lived, we didn't live within an hour's drive of a hospital that delivered babies for any of the kids. We, um, uh, my wife would have to stay in Anchorage, um, for like the last month before she was due, and I mean, uh, because we we had insurance, we had insurance that would pay for it, so we didn't have to worry about the expense or anything like that. But um, with my daughter, so uh, our our middle son had been born three weeks early. He was perfectly fine. He was actually rather large for his, considering how early he was born. The our first son was born ten days early. Middle son was born three weeks early, and then our daughter. Um, so, 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 well, we, we went in, uh, four weeks before she was due, maybe it was three weeks, like three and a half weeks before she was due, figuring there's, it's not impossible she could be born early like our middle son was. Um, so when, the thing is that we, we went, we went in early, my wife and the boys were staying in, in Anchorage, um, her mom came out to kind of help take care of the kids. So she wouldn't have to be doing all that while super pregnant. And um, 
I I stayed in Anchorage for a few days with them before I went back to go to work and everything because it was like right after Christmas. And uh, like the day after I got back home, my wife calls me and says that she's going into labor. And keep in mind, this is the middle of winter. Roads are bad. Um, you know, it's dark most of the time. It's just... There's not a whole lot of lighting on the highway in general. And so it's a little bit stressful to drive anyway. But, you know, like I had stayed a little bit longer initially because I thought, okay, well, maybe she'll come. And she decided that she wanted to start coming. Or so it seemed at least um, about 24 hours after I got home. So I drove back in and the labor stopped. And um, she finally ended up coming about a week or two later, something like that. She, she was born a week early, but it's just, you know, it's like, I'm ready to come. Nope, I'm not. I'm not. Never mind. <laughs> and to this day, indecisiveness is like a key feature of who she is. And it's just, it's hilarious to me that these traits display themselves from the time that they're babies. <laughs> um, anyway, going on into the other stuff. So, I mean, this week has is, is been kind of busy, but thankfully, two of the things that were originally scheduled for this week both got canceled. So it was like, thank you, Lord. Have reduced my stress a little bit. But then, um, of course, you know, I have this tonight and then tomorrow I have to edit the podcast if I can make the timing work out, I actually am plan. I'm hoping to um, stream the Xbox showcase, the the developer, whatever developer direct, whatever it's called, because uh, I would really like to see what's going to happen there. I'd like to react to that, but we'll see because that's like two o'clock my time. Um, but before that, I have the I have to conduct the new hire training for for new hires, just IT related stuff. So then I have those things, then I have to edit the podcast after that. And then I think Friday, apart from work, I don't really have anything going on. You know, Friday's more relaxing after work anyway. And then Saturday, we have a bunch of stuff going on, including practice for, because we're leading music at our church on Sunday. And so it's like, there's just a whole bunch of stuff. And then we have our family group Sunday evening. So it's just very packed, but <laughs> yeah, it definitely seems that way. <laughs> and that's that's with the things that were taken out of the schedule. So anyway, it's a very packed week. But let's talk about video games. So, what have you been playing this past week? Um, so it's it's because of everything that's going on. It's been a bit light. Uh, so I started the. DLC for Vampire Survivors, and that's a combination of both the sort of new stuff they have added as far as the characters, but also I tried out their adventure modes, which is, I guess, sort of, you could say, a story mode of sorts, uh, which is interesting considering that this has been primarily a, I guess, arcade-style game where there's no story mode. You just go and play the game and mm -hmm. rinse and repeat. So... It's still going through that. I was also a bit skeptical because of the Among Us collaboration. I just felt right. it was a bit... 
it felt out of place, but yeah. um, just playing through it, though, it does feel a bit natural and any sort of, I guess any sort of doubt I have had is pretty much gone. Um, so I am enjoying that. I think that's pretty well. Uh, the other game that I played was some more Stardew Valley. I, I, I went ahead and went back into the uh, desert cave to, or skull cavern, I should say, to do the 100 uh, levels. And I brought in my stacks of, uh, of uh, ladders to keep making progress. But I kind of stopped because I realized someone had mentioned that you, you can do it that way and just keep going straight down and not have to worry about the time running out for that day. But unfortunately, if you use more than 10 ladders, then you will actually be a you'll be applauded for being clever but you'll be slightly reprimanded for uh for 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 technically cheating uh. <laughs> in, in that sense so i'm going to try doing it again and see if i can be lucky enough to just find a lot of uh holes that actually drop me down multiple levels because that is one of the best ways to do it if you don't use ladders because you can it's random but you could possibly get up to skip, say, 11 levels, which helps. It'll take a lot of damage, but uh, it, it definitely helps. So I'll see what happens next time. All right. Well, you know, I bet you can't guess what I've been playing over the past <laughs> week. I mean, hmm. I, I'm, I'm sure I that know. you've probably seen it pop up every time you, you hop onto Steam. <laughs> so quite obviously... Metal Gear Solid V, The Phantom Pain, also known as Metal Gear Solid V, The Phantom Pain. Um, I So I finished the story, and I've been basically just working on cleaning up achievements and that sort of thing. Um, I think right now I have like five or six achievements left to get. I'm not sure of the exact number. Um, but, yeah, I mean... So, so I, I, part of what I had to do was there was a lot of the hard versions of, of story missions that I had to do. And I was able to complete all those, got S rank, got all the tasks done, um, which was all really good. I'm glad that I had that part at least knocked out. I still have a handful of stages where, qu quite a number of stages where I either don't have S rank, don't have all the tasks, or don't have either. But I do have... All missions, all side missions completed, and um, yeah, I mean, overall, I, I'm, I'm very satisfied with the game. There is some content that I guess got, uh, never got put into the game, and it's part of why people have called the game unfinished, basically because there was an additional chapter that kind of wrapped up a couple of loose threads in the story, but konami never actually completed it they they i guess i guess if you bought the collector's edition uh before it came out or like you pre-ordered it whatever it, they had it basically as a bonus feature you could you could see the essentially 30 percent complete version of the final chapter which didn't have really any actual gameplay it was basically just a few cutscenes and some concept art and just explanations essentially of of how um those remaining elements of the story got wrapped up. 
but it's kind of it's one of those things where like I have mixed feelings on that front because I do feel like with that without spoiling anything the the twist that I essentially knew about I didn't like know the full details like I, I had just kind of a partial idea of or a more more a general idea of what was supposed to happen but not like a complete full understanding of all of it because I didn't want to look into it like I, I heard that twist more or less years before I even decided to try to play Metal Gear Solid and so I just I stayed away from that information as much as I could and then I finally got around to you know obviously playing all these games and um so I, I don't know. I was I was pretty satisfied with it. I I, I felt like the, the way that the thing was handled to me was better than I expected it to be. And I I mean I figured that even if I didn't fully enjoy the way that aspect was handled, I would still be able to appreciate the game because the gameplay is so good. And thankfully I even though I haven't fully decided exactly what I think about the story overall. The the rest of the game, the game as a whole, is just so good that it really is up there for me. And I honestly think that while Metal Gear Solid 3 definitely still remains my favorite in the series, I think Phantom Pain probably is my second favorite. Because... Three is just a, is just like a solid experience from beginning to end in basically every aspect, and Phantom Pain is not as good necessarily on the story, and maybe it doesn't wrap th everything up as well in some ways, but at the same time also kind of wraps up some other things and uh, fixes some plot holes that previously existed. From the original Metal Gear games. And um, honestly it's making me kind of think I might just want to jump into the original Metal Gear and Metal Gear 2. Um, that is the MSX versions, not the NES versions. Because the NES versions are not the <laughs> not the actual games. They're just like something else. I wouldn't mind playing those someday. But they're, they're not like actual Kojima made games. And um, yeah, I'm just, I'm, I'm curious about that. But I'm like trying to decide, okay, when I'm done with this, do I want to actually just play Metal Gear and or Metal Gear 2? Or do I want to do my original plan and stick with continuing Sea of Stars? But I'll, I'll see where I'm at when I finish this. My guess is I'm probably going to end up playing Metal Gear. More likely than not, just because I'm just kind of on like this Metal Gear kick. And the fact the fact that, you know, I put like over 200 hours into this game and I'm still wanting to keep playing, um, you know, that says a lot. Now, of course, once I actually complete all the achievements, it's not likely that I'm going to have any reason to keep playing. It'll basically just be, I'll just be ready to go ahead and move on to the next thing, but more likely than not, it'll be, I want to play these old Metal Gear games I've never played before, so... That's pretty much that. Yeah, very good stuff. Very, <laughs> very good stuff. You know, though I could just see, whenever they do the uh, next version of the Master Collection, 
if they decided to, uh, I, mean, I might be giving Konami too much credit, but Uh-oh. if they decided to put like four Peace Walker and five all into one package, I could almost see them adding that extra episode and like completing it. And then it'd just be like, dang you, Konami. Why do you have to do this? I just finished going through <laughs> you know, this 200 hours of this game. I'm not ready to replay it. I just want to have that last episode, play it, and then that's it. But more likely than not, more likely than not, what they would end up doing is, assuming they release it as part of either Master Collection Volume 2 or Volume 3, depending on what other games they decide to do, um, more likely than not, they would just have that as a bonus feature to look at in the same way that they had it for the original version if you bought the collector's edition. So, uh, but you, you can also, you can look it up on YouTube. I mean, I'm not saying you should, I'm saying <laughs> it's possible to look it up on YouTube and that's how I checked it out. So, at least from that standpoint, I got that part as incomplete as it was. But, Yeah. It's interesting. I I can see some reasons why they wouldn't include it. Um, particularly because it kind of introduces a couple of things that would not necessarily... I mean, were not necessarily, like, specifically talked about. But then it also wraps up a couple things that were not... Um, that were kind of, like, unresolved, in a sense. But, I don't know. I mean, I'm sure that the fact that Konami severed their relationship with Kojima before the game came out was part of the reason why that part never got finished. But then Kojima says that it it is a finished game, so maybe he really was part of the decision to not include that last part. I I don't know. Hmm. Um, one thing I do want to mention. So one of the last missions you do, and this this doesn't. I'm not gonna give any specifics, but. There is a part where you basically have to go around and you're defending someone from an assault from, like, a bunch of tanks. You have, like, well, it's tanks and, like, APCs that fire missiles and stuff. And and there's, like, you know, a gunship helicopter. And you, you have to either destroy those things or extract them but there's such a crazy number of them coming at you, and it's not like something where you can't... I mean, it's difficult to sneak around. There are technically ways to do it, but if you want to get, like, the best rank and everything, you have to extract every single one of the vehicles. And ultimately, I I did find a way to do it, but it was not easy. Um, Or, well, I should say, before I found this alternative way to do it, which isn't, I mean, it's still tricky, but less tricky. Um, there was just no way I was going to get through it that way. But the problem is that once you go, once you went into this mission, which automatically started after completing the side mission that was connected to it, you couldn't leave the mission until you completed it. Whereas normally, anytime a mission starts, you can still back out and then you can just come back to it later if you want to. So. I just, I had to finish it, so I just, the first time I went through, destroyed everything, and extracted whatever I could, and then the second time, when I actually completed it, I was able to do it in such a way that I was, um, 
I extracted all the vehicles as needed. So, anyway. Enough about that. I will still be playing it for the rest of this week. Um, probably by the time we meet again, I will still be playing it. Because I don't know how much time I'm going to have to play over the next week. But we'll kind of see how that goes. But, do uh, you have anything else before we get into the news? Uh, I guess just a couple questions. I, mm -hmm. Or one question I'd say. So, based on your the run that you've had so far, and I guess you mentioned the two original Metal Gear games, mm -hmm. are there any other entry, entries in the series that you are still on your list to uh, complete? Yeah. Um, so, basically, I skipped the ones that were not canonical, uh, with the exception... Well, I should say, with the exception of, like, the 2D games, um, the, I haven't played any of the 2D ones. Um, but I have I have Metal Gear 1 and 2 on the Vita, because those came with the HD collection of um, Metal Gear Solid 2 and 3. And then I have... Um, well, because there, there wasn't any other way to get it, I, I got Metal Gear Acid 1 and 2, which I think are not canonical. Um, through emulation on my Steam Deck. Um, and you can't buy those anymore without paying scalpers. Because um, they don't even have them on the Vita or PS3 or anything stores. So you, you can't buy those from Sony. Um, and then Portable Ops is one that I have on Vita, which is another one of the PSP games. I might actually try to see if I can emulate that one because I've heard it does not control well. And, um, I think that at least on Steam Deck, I should be able to get, uh, put in some kind of thing to give me 60 frames per second so that at least I would have that instead of playing at 20, like it probably runs, but we'll, we'll kind of see what happens with that. I think that's, oh, no, and then there's the Game Boy Color one as well, which I also have on my Steam Deck. Hmm. But, um, yeah. So I, I, I believe the 2D ones, well, 1, 2, and Ghost Babble, which is the Game Boy Color one, are canonical. I believe Portable Ops is canonical. And then the rest of them, the Acid games at least, are not. And I can't remember what other games there were, but those are the ones that I know of. And I bought all the ones that I could buy that didn't require paying a scalper insane amounts of money. So... Okay. But we'll see what I actually play. I'm I don't know that I'm necessarily gonna play more than just Metal Gear One initially. We'll, we'll kinda see how, how I feel by the time I finish it, whether I want to continue on and play two and maybe Ghost Babble. Cause I can't I can't remember exactly the order. I'm pretty sure one, two and Ghost Babble all take place before Metal Gear Solid One. So if that's the case, then I would probably play all of them if I find that it's that that I want to keep playing. And then from there, hopefully I'll convince myself to not go back through all of the Metal Gear Solid games. Because, <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it has been a while since I played the first Metal Gear Solid. It was like 2019 or 2020 that I played that. So, But 2 and 3, I literally played last year. So, <laughs> I, I am keeping my eyes out for a deal on the PC version, though, because 
modders have fixed the games. So, hmm. or at least, at least they've fixed two and three. I'm not sure about one, but one already plays really well through Duck Station. So, it's like 60 frames HD and widescreen, which is not the case with the official Konami version, <laughs> of course. Anyway, anything else or news? Uh, we can go right into the news, I think. All right, so let's go ahead and talk about this Elden Ring DLC. So the gist of it, from my understanding, and, and obviously you can say more, you know, if, if I don't cover it properly, is that within Steam's database, um, Elden Ring's Elden Elden Ring has some um, un um, unnamed DLC that's been included in in the in their database now. Is, is that essentially correct? Yeah, that's basically it. Like um. I guess the be best way is just uh, that they have their all the DLC that they have listed, like I guess the um, the official stuff that's announced, like the soundtrack, like the um, art book, it, all that stuff is has already been listed. But something new was added recently. I think it was January fifth or something like that, and it's just unnamed DLC, and that's very speculative. Uh, but it really points to the fact that we might be getting the Elden Ring DLC Shadows of the Ur Tree at least announced soon even if it doesn't even if it's something that comes out say next year I, I it definitely points to something that could be um, something that's announced so that is the pretty much the main point of everything is that there's something new it's DLC and there's something else that it could be because you're not going to just put out a blank unnamed DLC for a game that's already released that's something that's already been getting you know, no, no other support has been given outside of you no know, just performance patches. So mm -hmm. that is very interesting to see. Um, I, I personally think that it is going to be the DLC. I think it's something that we will hear from. I can't even remember when we even last heard about DLC being in production, but it's definitely been a while. So I, I have I, I have a strong confidence that this actually could be or will be the Shadows of the Earth Tree DLC, and it makes me just really want to get back into Elden Ring and get right? into it. Uh, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I mean, so, so like, uh, during this part, I, I actually have some, some of my gameplay that I recorded before that I recorded really just for our channel intro video, but um, the... I. I've been, you know, kind of itching to try doing a Souls game again. And I'm so torn on whether I want to go back to Dark Souls Remastered on the Switch. Since that's the one I have more progress in. Or if I want to go back to Elden Ring. And, I mean, either way, whenever I do it, I just want it to be like, this is the game I'm playing. And this is the only game I'm playing for a while. Because when I was, you know, really focused on especially Dark Souls, it was the only game I was playing. And it's just, of course, you know, getting sidetracked and, um, well, really it was that I was playing Dark Souls and then I got my Steam Deck and then I started playing Elden Ring more because that was the one I really wanted to play in the first place. Um, but 
Yeah. I I would say that the likelihood that it is the the DLC, I I agree with you. It's it's probably that and I think that there is a possibility maybe that it could be revealed um, at either the next Xbox or PlayStation event. I think that the Xbox one is only going to be their first party stuff, in which case then it won't be the Xbox event because that's you know not a first party Xbox game. But I could see it very easily being revealed at PlayStation's next state of play, which really could be any time. And I mean, it would be a good place. And I, I would think that there's a decent chance that when it gets revealed, it's going to be shot and dropped. I think it's going to come out the, the, the day that they reveal it, because there's not really any reason why they couldn't do that. Since it's not going to... I would assume it's not going to have a physical release. So. Yeah, I mean, I, I guess the only way it wouldn't be is if it was still something that was in production, but... That's true. But, other than that, though, I agree they're wouldn't really be much of a reason to right. delay it when you could just say, hey, here's Shadow of the Earth Tree. Boom. Go ahead and Right. But, and I mean, the, the the original game dropped almost three years ago now. So, yeah. So I, I don't see any reason why it shouldn't be ready by this point. Because um, I'm sure that they had started working on it at least, I mean, like right around the time that the base game came out or, you know, not long after. So... I guess we'll we'll have to wait and see, but either way, I think it's pretty cool. I'm I'm excited about it. I just I, I really need to just get focused on on one of the Souls games and and devote time to it because like <laughs> I don't know what it is about those games. Like the first time I tried playing Demon Souls, I know that I really just kind of got like this uh, dark, depressing feel from it. And I mean, obviously, that's the kind of environment that they are. But because of that, like, I, I didn't even... I played for, like, 15 minutes, the first 15 minutes of Demon Souls on PS3. It, I just found it so dark and depressing that I wasn't interested in playing any further. And so for years and years, like, I just... I wasn't even willing to touch it. And then Elden Ring comes... Well, I mean, Dark Souls came to Switch before that, which kind of made... I mean, you know, hearing some people talk enthusiastically about it, I'm like, maybe I'll give this a try sometime. I don't know yet. And then Elden Ring came out, and just all the hype about it, especially knowing that it was also... Um, uh, that it played well on Steam Deck, just kind of like, I really want to play this game. And so I went ahead and... I, I found a code, I think it, I can't remember if it was their Green Man Gaming or maybe Fanatical or something. You know, got a, a decent price on it. Got it a little bit cheaper than usual. And I just got hooked. I got hooked very quickly. And I was really hooked to it. But of course, it was still like a couple months until I would be able to get my Steam Deck. I mean, at the time, I didn't know when, when I was getting my Steam Deck because I had ordered mine... I pre-ordered mine or put my reservation in the day of uh, when they when they first um, made it available to do so, and um, but I was just really wanting to play it on a portable because it's just much more convenient that way. And so 
I tried playing a bit of like um, Dead Cells, but it wasn't really scratching that itch for me. So I went ahead and ordered a physical version of Dark Souls Remastered on the Switch. Since that was the only portable way I could play a game like that. And just got completely absorbed in that. And then got my Steam Deck in early April. And almost basically haven't gone back to Dark Souls Remastered since then. <laughs> I think I, I've tried going back a couple times here and there, but... Um, it's always been more like I want to play it, but I'm not ready to get back into it. And yeah, so either way, we'll, we'll, we'll see what happens. I am very seriously probably going to um, grab Mortal Shell on GOG pretty soon here because it's like three bucks for the deluxe edition currently for the next few days hmm. so i'm i'm very seriously considering it there's a few other games that are on sale for you know like two three dollars right now in gog that i'm very seriously considering grabbing oh I, I one thing i did forget to mention um gog has a number of free games that i hadn't known that they had at least recent currently they have them free or at least had them free a few days ago um, like the first two Elder Scrolls games, which I've never played either of those. So I, I, I snagged both of those. And I think like one of the early Quake games and like the original version of Shadow Warrior and a handful of other things. But it's like, yeah, I'm adding more to the backlog, but these don't cost me anything. So I don't care. <laughs> <laughs> DRM free and all that. So, yeah. But anyway, uh, let's go ahead and, well, actually, do you have any other thoughts on, on this Elden Ring DLC before we move on? Um, no, no, I think I'm good with this. Okay. All right. So why don't you take us into this topic about Capcom? I know you've done a video on it and I definitely want to, uh, I, I, th I think you're more well-researched on it than I am. So I, I'd like to have you explain this. Okay. Yeah, so um, a lot has happened, and I'll definitely keep this abridged, but essentially a report came out about Capcom releasing DRM into a bunch of their older games, uh, games like Resident Evil Revelations, which is actually the, from what I could tell, was the first game that actually, where this was found, but there are other games like Strider, Mega Man, Zero Collection, Mega Man Battle Network 1 and 2, Resident Evil 5, and there might be a couple other ones that I'm missing, but those are the ones that are... Oh, and uh, Ghost Trick, that one also is, has... Uh, and it's not even like it's Denuvo, it's a new type of DRM that's that has been found called Enigma Protector. Um, initially, the reports were saying that the games were really tanking performance, that there were stutters, that it was even breaking... Uh, performance on Steam Deck that, that were incompatible or even breaking Steam Deck units. Later, it was found that there were some other issues that were outside of the DRM that were part of it. And so when that ends, there weren't any problems. It's a little bit shadier, though, because there's reports that saying that the DRM is possibly from a Russian company or a company that has a front based in Russia. 
so there's that end as well. Um, Capcom also is saying that they are planning on implementing Enigma in more of their backlog of games. So games that say had Denuvo but then had removed Denuvo removed from them are going to have Enigma added to them, or just games that were older that they released, they are just going to add them in retrospect. So that's pretty much the general idea of what has happened. All right, so so this whole thing with, with Capcom, um, of course, obviously, I am not pro-DRM. Not by any stretch. I think that it is a horrible thing that they have added, especially because of the fact that while I understand the reason of wanting to keep people from having um, stolen copies of games, that sort of thing, the reality is that if it is causing performance issues, that is a problem. The fact that they're trying to, that they're sneaking it into their older games, that's a problem. However, what I also see as part of my my reason why, like I'm I'm a little hesitant on this whole thing, is whether or not it's something that makes me say I'm not going to support. Them. Um, mostly because while there aren't a whole lot of Capcom games I play, there are some that I play, and I don't feel like me stopping playing those games is necessarily going to solve anything per se. Um, I don't know. I Maybe I'm just being selfish because I still want to play the Monster Hunter games I have, and I still want to play ones I have on 3DS, which theoretically the 3DS ones shouldn't be updated, so all the ones I have on there <laughs> should still keep running fine, because I, I bought a bunch before the eShop closed. I mean, three bucks a piece for for most of the games that I bought from them between like um, I mean, Monster Hunter Generations was was $3 and uh, the Resident Evil games were $3 a piece and the most of the Ace Attorney games were $3 a piece. It's just like, you know, I, I still have some games I want to play from them, but um, yeah, I, I know that it might seem like, okay, I'm just rolling over because I'm I'm going ahead and, you know, playing the games that I played very sporadically just because I happen to like the games. It is what it is. Um, I don't have any uh, disrespect or ill will towards you or anyone else who decides that they're not going to support Capcom anymore. That's entirely your decision. I don't think I'm any better than you, and I don't think... Um, you know, like, I don't I don't think any less of, of you or anyone else for having that for making that decision I just personally don't see the need if that makes sense yeah and something actually I forgot to add a mention earlier early was the fact that um one of the reasons one of the theories that people actually had was or one of the claims that was actually false or at least it wasn't to the extent was that the reason for or was that the uh DRM actually prevented modding which is like something that Capcom is very against, mm -hmm. um, but that also was claimed to be false. And I, I actually will agree with you. Actually, is the fact that and this is something that in my video that I probably should have clarified is that I will play the Capcom games that I have 
provided that they are the ones that don't have the Enigma Protector DRM. So mm. Monster Hunter Rise World, I can't remember if the Mega Man X games have it, but I, I think they don't have, the X games don't have it. Um, so those games, I am fine with playing them for right now, uh, at least so if I know that Enigma is added later on, I'll probably shift my stance on this. And there's mm. also one other thing that I thought about is that this is something I think I wish that Valve would do is that they would actually put something on their store saying that this particular DRM is implemented because yeah. they have that for nearly every other type of DRM for Denuvo, Easy Anti-Cheat, Battle Lie, um, all the other all the other anti-cheats and DRMs, they have those listed on the store so people know before they even purchase them. So I think that's something that Valve should do here yeah, so that way agreed. people know that this game has this DRM in it. So I, that's something I think Valve should do. I don't know how new Enigma is. Um, I've never heard of the company before. I think a lot of people haven't heard of it either just because of the fact that we don't know much about the company. Like, we know Denuvo. We know um, the company. and But we don't know anything about this company. So I think that's something that Valve should definitely let people know. It's like, hey, this is the DRM that is in these games. But um, mm. but yeah, I definitely think that... I mean, I definitely don't have a problem with people who have the games already and are doing it. I just personally, personally won't be buying any more games from Capcom, which kind of sad about because I like Monster Hunter. I went uh, the wilds in the future. I went Dragon's Dogma 2. But I'm just like, I can't give you my money, Capcom. Like, I love the games you have. Like, you're brilliant. You're brilliant game designers. And mm -hmm. you've put so many games. You even said you wanted to make PC your main platform. But then you just do this. And it's like, I don't know if I can trust you. Yeah. That's understandable. I mean, one of the things for me is that I I would say, like, I probably wouldn't buy any more of their new games unless, of course, you have uh, modders go in and fix the DRM problem like they did before with Denuvo and, uh, <laughs> you know, come up with an anti-anti-cheat thing to, you know, get rid of uh, Enigma so, and I, I'm sure that people are already working on that right now, which, you know, they should be. But either way, yeah, I, I'm I'm in agreement with you on that. I definitely think you made, you know, some, some great points. And I just, I, I've, I'm one of those people who I find that there are times where I will, I'm willing to more or less boycott something. But most of the time, I just don't even bother because in in my case, at least, I find that typically the boycotts are only effective if you know that you can stick to them. Like I even though there is a whole lot of things I hate about Amazon, I don't think I could ever actually boycott them because they're really the best at what they do in so many ways. And um you know, there are a lot of times where, like, I need a particular thing, and I, I just literally can't get it locally. Which, I mean, c compared to where I was before, you know, when I was in rural Alaska, where I there's a lot of stuff I couldn't get, 
now it's like I can get stuff from Amazon so easily. And if I can do that versus having to call a bunch of different places or wander all around town, then sometimes that's what I'm going to do. But I don't know. It's, it's just it's not always as easy as as I would like it to be even if I don't agree with certain things. And the reality is that there's so many instances, at least in situations like that, where their money is is going to go towards things that I don't support. But I can't really control that. And, you know, it, it's one thing, like, when when you see some of the recent boycotts that have actually been really successful, uh, like, especially with, like, Bud Light, you know, where mm. pe- people very much made their voice heard. I mean, I, I never <laughs> bought Bud Light. I don't, I don't drink beer. I hate beer i think it's disgusting <laughs> but you know like I, I mean for for people who legitimately liked that sort of thing like i i'm glad for them that they made that decision they were able to stick with it they were able to band together and really make their voices heard um then you have other examples where like we stop i mean a bunch of people don't pay for the garbage that disney is putting out and it seems like maybe they're learning their lesson, but then they just go back to putting out the same garbage. It's like, okay, Disney, you aren't learning. So that's why I, as as an example, not not to say anybody needs to do exactly what I did, I canceled my Disney Plus subscription. I had it for two or three years, and I made use of it, but I was just finding more and more that the content they were putting out was not worth the extra money, I mean, worth spending the money on, and so instead I just found the, I, I bought physical copies of the movies that I liked, that I know my kids like to watch, and things that I would like to watch, and that was that. Now, I don't have Disney+, Plus. I don't, I, I still have not seen a single new thing that's coming to Disney+, Plus that makes me want to have it again, and on the rare occasion I come across something that I'm like, something older for example that I would like to watch in most cases I can probably track down the DVD or Blu-ray without too much trouble some things are harder than others like one thing I will say that's been recent that they actually did um, in 2022 which was really good was the Santa Clauses which was like the TV like a mini series follow up to the Santa Claus movies with Tim Allen and it was actually really really good like legitimately good i can't i think it was only maybe 10 episodes or eight episodes something like that but it was actually great unfortunately they don't they don't do it physical at all disney refuses to put that one out on dvd or blu-ray at least so far so what i haven't been able to buy that but that's like one of the only things that i would want to get and then everything else i'm like no i mean mandalorian had a great two seasons but the third season was not good, and this upcoming movie—I mean, I might go see it in the theater whenever it eventually comes out. But I'm not interested in season four of The Mandalorian because it's not even going to have uh, the same character. I mean, it's not going to have uh, uh, Gina, uh... Uh, Din Djarin and Grogu. It's not going to have them, or you know, if it has them, it's just going to be like cameo here and there. They're going to make uh, what's her face the the new Mandalorian, I mean, you know, the lead. And yes, she's a, long, an ex- a character that existed before them and, and so on and so forth. And she is a, a legitimate, like, 
100% native-born Mandalorian whatever, but I'm not interested in that. I this, The third season just lost me. So, anyway. That's enough ranting about that stuff. The point is that you boycott what you like to boycott, and I'm just talking about people in general. Boycott what you feel that you need to boycott. I'll boycott what I feel I need to boycott, and then there are some things where I just don't bother. And Capcom is probably going to be one of them. Because I don't buy that many of their games anyway, unless they're, like, dirt cheap, like, with 3DS when I bought a bunch for $3, so. Yeah. <laughs> Any other thoughts on that? No, sir. Alright, so we had an interesting lawsuit. I don't know if it's actually a lawsuit at this point, but um, Remedy Entertainment is... Uh, Basically being, let me see, see if it actually says anything specific here. Um, so, so let me try to summarize. Okay, so Take Two, which owns Rockstar, is basically uh, in a trademark dispute with Remedy Entertainment, which is best known for things like Control and um, Alan Wake. Uh, what you call it? Um, Max Payne. Uh, Quantum Break, things like that. So, Remedy's new logo has an R that, at least by what Take Two says, they think that it's a little bit too close to the Rockstar logo, because Rockstar is owned by Take Two. And uh, so they're in a dispute with Remedy over this new logo. Now, I'm looking at. The, the new logo for Remedy. The R is not that close. I mean, they're vaguely similar, but I'm not sure how anyone would mix up the two. I mean, Rockstar, it's an R in a different <laughs> kind of font with a star on it, on a yellow background. Very distinct. Remedy, it's like an R that's kind of out of focus, like almost you're seeing double. And it says Remedy under it. To me, that's very clearly different. They don't look the same to me. At all. And I don't know how anyone is going to mix up the two. Think that Rockstar is Remedy or vice versa. So, what are your thoughts on this? Yeah, it, it's... there. I don't see how Take-Two thinks that this looks anything close. I mean, the R for the Remedy logo looks closer to the R in Team Rocket than it does to the Rockstar logo. And, I mean, honestly, anyone who knows Rockstar, they know what it's the logo is supposed to look like. I mean, e even actually, um, on my way to my job, there's actually a pedestrian sign. Someone, and I'm pretty certain this is what it is, I'm pretty certain someone put a Rockstar logo sticker on the sign. And I, I looked, I said, wait a second, that looks so familiar. Then I thought about Wait, that looks like the Rockstar logo. Um, but like so I don't see how people anyone would would get them confused. So as you mentioned, the R looks completely different. It's a different font. It's a different background. There's not a star. It says Remedy right there. Um, and so that's definitely I, I they really in my opinion do not have a case at all. And some people have I've seen make jokes saying like saying that Take two, your logo looks very eerily similar to the Terminator 2 title. Like, you've just put T2 right there. Um, 
and there were I can't remember there was some like some other things that people were saying, hey, um, how your logo looks similar to this, and so it's really absurd how you can think one thing, especially a letter. I mean, there are so many cases where you could see an R and just think, oh wow, I'm gonna sue you for that. It, someone even pointed out that um, Take Two actually tried to sue a drink company uh, called Rockstar some years oh, yeah. ago and they lost about that it's so why would when a company actually has a name that's similar and you lost what makes you think you'll win in a case where it's a letter like who has the rights to a letter i'm right it, it makes no sense at all i mean that one it's like the only way i could see it is basically if they're just hoping that they'll get you know depending on who's judging the situation you, you know you get different opinions because different judges will get different opinions I and mean, you have a ter terrible judges like you know the the guy uh what, what was that guy's name who was involved in the vic case um oh was it chuck oh, gosh oh um i forget his name but, but I know, anyway it's it, yeah it's it's just like you know the the decisions he made just made absolutely no sense because he he, you know, and obviously, you know, there was all sorts of issues on the on Vic's, Vic's legal team side as well. You know, we know that there there were problems, but and you know, thankfully, by the grace of God, everything seems to have turned out well for Vic. But um, it's uh, you know, it, it yeah, it's it was Judge, Judge Chup. I remember now. It was definitely Chup. Anyway, so depending on the type of person you get looking at the case they may look at it different and um i definitely would say yeah they they don't have a case in this situation because <laughs> the logos are not even close to the same thing apart from being the letter r and as you said if they couldn't win against some against a company that had the same name even if it was you know also once again very different logo what makes you think that you're going to win when you have things things are so different from each other but whatever it's <laughs> some of these lawsuits don't make any sense mm -hmm. and it's like take two you don't even need the money i mean you yeah. don't and and pe i i don't know what makes you think that there's actually going to be any sort of brand confusion there's there's just not and the other thing is that even if there was some sort of quote unquote brand confusion it's not like it's a bad brand I mean, Remedy makes good games. Rockstar makes good games. Neither one of them would harm the other, so I don't know. I I think it's 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 ridiculous, is what it is. Take two yeah. needs to take five. <laughs> yep, yeah, take two needs to take five. That might be this week's title. Take two needs to take <laughs> five and sit. Take two with a, with a take five candy bar. <laughs> those things are amazing by the way uh, super addictive and i may have eaten too many of them during christmas <laughs> uh, story of my life all right uh so let's uh, you got any other thoughts before we move on into the last main topic for the night uh nope all right so, apparently, well, this isn't even apparently. 
I'm just going to go ahead and read some stuff from gamesindustry.biz who interviewed the, uh, find what, what his actually, okay. So the director of subscriptions at Ubisoft, Ubisoft, however you pronounce it, uh, regard talking about, uh, Ubisoft or Ubisoft plus, which they have more recently made changes to the service. Um, basically just kind of, uh, changing some things about how it functions, um, in terms of price and they have like separate versions of it. They have, uh, Ubisoft plus classic, um, which covers a lot of previous, their previous catalog of games. And then they have Ubisoft plus premium, which is the newer version. And this, uh, features all new releases. So this, that includes uh, the per Prince of Persia game, the Prince of Persia: The Lost Crown, which just came out. Um, the premium version is $17.99 a month, available for PC, Xbox, and Amazon Luna. Um, and then Ubisoft Classics, Ubisoft Plus Classics, was already available to PlayStation players. Um, and has the back catalog, but is also coming to PC. And um, all that by itself, not a problem. But what became so controversial about this whole thing is that, in short, the, uh, the president here relating to these streaming services says, we are trying to get people to get to a point where they will no longer own their games. They will simply subscribe and they will be happy. And, uh, you know, you know, pe people call this stuff, uh, far right. And, <laughs> you know, they'll, they'll make all sorts of accusations about, you know, people who talk about the world economic forum and, and all this other, stuff that is just it sounds like it's ridiculous but then you hear <laughs> you hear them saying stuff like this with video games now this is like the all digital future this is where it's been going the whole time you know that they want us to get to a point where we don't own any of our games all we do is we pay a subscription so that we're basically we're essentially renting our games and they can take them away at any time and even when it comes to the digital games, they can, in many cases, unless they set up something specific otherwise, take away the games whenever they feel like it. I mean, it's just like, you know, we saw recently with with various examples of, of um, not only games being delisted, but uh, TV shows and movies being delisted, which they did actually backtrack on regarding the Discovery stuff. They ended up working out a deal with Discovery to keep the stuff on, on the store for longer um, so people could continue to hold on to their previous digital purchases, but um, I don't know. Your thoughts on this? Yeah, I think it's also very telling how he was trying to be very sneaky, or I guess he was trying to be very careful with how he worded things too especially since he had a big dig build a big build up saying oh we want to make sure that we have always give a 
play, players the sense of choice. Mm -hmm. um, you know, we always want to make sure they have options. We always want to make sure that they can do these things. And they even, you know, try to even to appeal uh, by saying, you know, I'm a father. You know, I've got a stack of DVDs at home, and I'm thinking, sure, but that, but what you do as a father is not is complete in conflict of interest with being the president of a subscription service where you're trying to promote people to buy your subscriptions and to uh, pay into your service services. So I didn't, even with that being said, I don't buy that part. And especially when you say you want people to become comfortable with the idea of not owning those games, that is a huge red flag there. And I do actually want to state that I actually believe that people, if they want to, should have the option to use subscription services. I don't think there's a problem with them per se, right. but I think the problem with them is the fact that people get so used to convenience that companies take advantage of that and then try to make that the only option you have. Because once you sort of get onto that, and this might sound like a conspiracy theory, but once you go into that slippery slope, then you lose those options you had before. and. He, and the president even mentioned, he said, gaming is the most resistance you've ever seen. Because people, he said, people felt comfortable not owning their CDs anymore, not owning their DVDs anymore. Um, so shifting away from, say, owning your movies or your CDs and your music to paying for a subscription, like through, say, Spotify or Apple Music or any other service out there. And then also same with movies and TV shows. You, you know, buy your DVDs. Blu-rays, VHS tapes back in the day, <laughs> and now you just have streaming service for all these different, all these different companies now, and the, gaming is the one is the probably the only entertainment service that actually blocks that, or at least the one that he admits to being the one for the slowest because people, especially if you're in console on PC, you're pretty much out of luck if you want to get something physical. Um, that's that's something that really has been slow to take so 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 i admit that you know he really wants to see that change coming over and i he i really think that we that's something we should not have because you should not be comfortable and i think this also applies to music and shows and i guess to even to agree books because more people are guessing audiobooks or digital books you shouldn't feel comfortable with just being able to give all that stuff away because if you bought something, especially if you bought something, sure, if you're using a streaming service, you're not really buying it. But if you bought something, if you got something with the intention to use it however you want, use it whenever you want, you should not be able to lose access to that. And I know people say, well, you technically bought a license and so that license can be revoked at any time. That no, you bought something with the intent to use it, and there's actually um a channel I watch some uh called uh really just Lewis uh, Rossman, but he's a owner of a computer uh, shop. He's actually also a uh, really big proponent of the right to repair uh, movement. So mm -hmm. people who actually want to repair their own devices, they can do so without actually having to send something into a manufacturer that they should be able to have the tools and means to actually repair stuff themselves. He, 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 he actually wore this perfectly is that fact that license agreements, uh, especially with EULAs, 
they're really just a deceptive tactic to get you to agree to something that you really do not intend or would it agree to if you actually understood it. Um, especially said that with a lot of these ELAs, they really hide the core stuff that really is important somewhere near the end of an agreement. And I actually agree with that uh, going through actually some myself. Sometimes I actually do that with um, games and whatnot. I'll read through them. But yeah, he's right about the fact that a lot of the important details are actually hidden away because they're being deceptive. And in this case, I actually would agree that the seals being deceptive here as well. Um, but actually, I'm sort of going off point, but I do believe that if you bought something, you should have the sole right to do that. And even if it's something that's digital, I still think that that's your right to to own it. Like, you should be able to have it. Um, and it's ridiculous to the fact that even though with a deal between, between uh, Warner Brothers and Discovery, I think that, sure, they gave, they delayed that. But they could always come back later and just say, okay, now, since things have quieted down, we're going to revoke your rights to that. Right. And that's something that streaming definitely is going to do. Like, stuff, serv shows from services have been pulled before. Like, there was a lot of stuff mm -hmm. that was, when Netflix, that, were, that was from uh, uh, Disney, that was from NBC shows mm -hmm. from there. They just pulled them completely because they were going to say, hey, we're going to make our own streaming services. Yeah. So... If you get a streaming service, you can lose what you have on there at any time. And even he says that, well, that's not what, that's not what's going to happen. You know, you'll be with the streaming services. You can play your games anytime. You can not have to worry about your save file being gone. It'll be right there for you anytime. And to a degree, I think that it's like more likely that you won't necessarily lose anything because it would be a Ubisoft first party title. So mm -hmm. it's not like it's a third party title where they would say, oh, we lost the rights to this game, so we have to pull it, or say, like, for example, with Game Pass, where games are added, but games are also removed, games will be there, but at the same time, you can still lose access to it. Um, and this is necessarily the same thing, but with Denuvo, a year or two ago, I think it was, because of something that happened with their servers, every game that used Denuvo, people couldn't play the games at all during that down period, so... Uh, that was games, I think, like um, the Shadow of the Tomb Raider. That was also, I think, maybe Persona 4 Golden. I th uh, and there were some other games, but pretty much any game that used Denuvo, you lost access to it because of the fact that it was all tied to a server, to a company. So streaming is pretty much that, but worse. So why would you want to have... Why would you want to be comfortable with the fact that your games can be gone at any time? Right. Yeah, this this whole thing just kind of I, I mean the the more I've become or the, over the years I've become more and more against digital only when it comes to a lot of situations. Now, granted obviously as you said, you know, PC we don't have a whole lot of choice because they don't really do physical copies for games for the most part. I mean, the last time I tried to buy a physical copy of a game for PC uh, which was the I mean it was literally the last time I I did because it only came with a digital code so I have a case but no but I just had a code and that was it 
Um, that was with Mirror's, Mirror's Edge Catalyst, by the way. Um, but when it comes to like music, for example, there was a period probably around 2006-ish that I uh, bought a bunch of music through iTunes. And um, then at one point I decided I wanted to switch from iTunes over to uh, Amazon Music. And it was mostly just because I'm not really a fan of Apple. Not that their products are necessarily bad quality, just you pay too much for what you get. And when I wanted to take over some of my music from iTunes, and I even I even like iTunes as a software. I think it's a good software. Um, well, for one, I couldn't get iTunes on an Android device, which was annoying. And so I couldn't get a lot of my music transferred over. And so I went with Amazon for a bit. And then when I was finding that Amazon was giving problems that their MP3 uh, application was giving me problems because it wouldn't recognize a lot of my music that I had on my phone that wasn't from Amazon. That was stuff I had acquired elsewhere. Then I stopped using that and started using just a free application that was something different, but also had a bit more ability to customize like uh, modifying tags and that sort of thing, you know, fixing track names, all that. And then I was finding that because of Amazon's DRM, the music I had purchased through Amazon, I couldn't access it unless I had the Amazon app installed. Um, and furthermore, there was no way to find the music because it was hidden in such a way that basically you, you couldn't access it normally. And so what I ended up having to do to work around that was I had to download the music on my PC, find the folder on my PC, which was much easier to do, and then copy the music over and put it on my device. And um, that ended up working, but I still have to have the Amazon app installed, even though I don't like it, so that I can actually listen to that music that I paid for. All of that being said, now whenever I want new music, I buy a, I buy the CD. I just buy the CD, I get better quality audio because I can rip it in uncompressed wave format, and um, then I don't have to deal with that. There are occasionally situations where I'll buy something digitally, like if I'm buying a soundtrack through Steam or whatever, but usually when I get it through Steam, I can get it uncompressed anyway, because usually they'll have both MP3 and wave format for, um, for the soundtracks, which is, is helpful. But in general, I'm just so much, you go for physical whenever you have the option. If it's, if the price is ridiculously high, sometimes it's not necessarily as worth it. Um, and I think that it's, it can be good to kind of have a hybrid approach somewhat. Like for example, I have a bunch of 3DS games. And, of course, the eShop is shut down now, so from that standpoint, I don't really have to worry about them necessarily, like, revoking my licenses, theoretically, because apparent, because they're not really dealing with that. But, like, I have a bunch of physical games as well, and I have copied all of those physical games over to my 3DS. So I have digital versions of all those games, I have all of them backed up, and then I still have my physical copies, which, you know... 
I don't know exactly how long their shelf life will be, ultimately. Um, but I have the stuff backed up one way or another. And I think it's good to have backups of your digital stuff, and hopefully you have a way to work past any DRM that might be an issue. But all this, all this stuff about just basically wanting to make it so that people stop owning their games at all. I don't like it. And yes, I will say from an eternal perspective, technically we don't own anything anyway. But, you know, we do still in, in at least in a sense own it and it's still just important especially in this day and age when you know uh, the powers that be don't want us to own anything and they just want us to rent everything and and all of that it's important that we don't just rent things we don't just subscribe to services where they can take those things away at any time I can't even begin to tell you how much money I've probably saved over the years by not being subscribed to subscription services. Like, I, I've, I stopped doing Netflix several years ago. I haven't done... I mean, I mean Disney Plus I, I did for a while, but I got in early and they, they grandfathered at a lower rate for quite a while before they finally raised it, and then I eventually ended up, you know, canceling it probably four or five months ago. And, um, and then when it comes to like movies and TV shows, I mean, I've, I've just bought the ones I wanted. And so I have, I have, you know, two massive shelves, one right here nearby me. That's just movies and like some of my physical games. And then another shelf that's on the other side of the wall that has all TV shows that we have, uh, DVDs and Blu-rays of those. And that's how I preserve that stuff. That's how I have access to what I want. And I don't have to worry about streaming services. And if I really want something else, I can go buy it in general. And I would much rather buy it and have access to it permanently than be dependent on a streaming service. Because I got to say, there will come a day when or, or, or there, there may come a day, you know, based on the direction that... <laughs> Our uh, world is going where social credit score might become a thing like it is in China. And uh, they, they've, they're already moving that way. So, you know, just you got to be aware that these people can take away your stuff anytime they want. When it comes to that, I mean, granted, I'm sure that there's ways that they could even come take away our physical media, but it's not as easy for them. Um, anyway, that's going way off the deep end. And, I mean, it's a good thing we don't have a whole lot of listeners. If we did, they'd probably think I'm some crazy conspiracy theorist, but it's just paying attention to what's going on in the world. That's all it is. Anyway, um, I will do my best to own my products. And I will be happy owning my products. Um, and I hope that more and more people will realize that it's best to do everything they can to own their products. I am not, in general, pro-piracy. At least not if you have the option to actually purchase something. 
but it is definitely one way that things can actually be more or less owned. So do with that what you will. That's all I'm going to say. I, I, I will say that I do not believe in piracy for things that you can still purchase. At least not if you can purchase them from the actual publisher, developer, so on and so forth, as opposed to uh, just buying them from a reseller who's going to, you know, upcharge you way more than they should be. <laughs> but anyway. Other thoughts on this whole topic? Nope, I disagree with you 100%. Just buy your buy your media, own your media. Don't rely on someone else. Yep, yep, yep. Okay. Um, so here's a completely random thing that I'm just going to mention because I forgot to mention it earlier. So my kids earlier were playing a game. I guess they were trying to reenact Smash Brothers to some degree. And I mean, like they I can't even remember. I think the last time that I played Smash Brothers with my kids, which was really the only time I ever did that. I think they might have played some with their cousins, though. It was around Christmas. And um, earlier today. Uh, both my oldest and my youngest were were reenacting some Smash Brothers stuff, and they kept saying, they kept calling Samus a dark Sammy, dark Samus, dark Samius. <laughs> and um, oh man, I can't remember what what the other the other one was really funny. It was it was not like at all a name that matched with anything, but it was, dang it, I wish I could remember what it was. It was, it was really funny though just the, the the names they came up with and and stuff anyway I don't know I don't <laughs> even know if I'll include this in the podcast because I don't remember enough details I, I should have written it down though because it was really funny okay anyway um so I guess one thing one last thing that we could we talk about just a little bit I mean we, we already pretty much covered this topic a bit last week but uh, just, of course, we have the Xbox Developer Direct that's happening tomorrow. And we're not going to do any of our fake uh, summaries of, of what supposedly happened there because I didn't think ahead about that. And um, last time, I think we just we went a little we jumped the shark a few too many times on on that front. But uh, do you have any uh, last minute predictions, things that you expect you might see there? I still I guess part of it is just because of uh, the just because of the port we received I really would like to see Perfect Dark uh, the new Perfect Dark game I mean I don't expect to see it there but it's just something that I would really like to see something I could get more information of um yeah, that, that's 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 really I guess I could say the thing that I'm really looking forward to the most. Maybe get some more information about Indiana Jones, but like I said before, I'm also still skeptical about right. that just because of how they handled the last film. Uh, but I, I I I've got to see there, but that'll be good to at least get some information on that end. Right. 
Well, I mean, we know for a fact that they're going to have Indiana Jones set because they've already yeah. said they are. So it's going to be shown for sure. We know Hellblade's going to be shown for sure. Avowed's going to be shown for sure. And then there was like some other game that they had mentioned. But um, beyond that, it's it's all kind of up in the air. Um, I do not think that they're going to mention anything about uh, their games coming to other platforms at the show. Mm-hmm. I think that more likely than not, assuming it's actually happening, which I think seems very likely, Hi-Fi Rush would probably be announced at Nintendo's next Direct, which... You know, the pattern is anything to go by will probably be in February. Um, could even be a shadow drop, actually. In fact, I think that would be pretty likely. I'd say I'd say that would probably be shown. It probably be a shadow drop for a Nintendo Switch in February. Um, but we're we're not getting into Nintendo Direct territory. <laughs> uh, there is the. Um, I mean, as far as the Sea of Thieves thing, I think that's another one where it would probably be a state of play announcement mm-hmm. if, if it's actually coming to PlayStation. And I don't know. It sounds like maybe Hi-Fi Rush would be on both platforms. I honestly have no idea. Like, I don't know what to expect exactly. I just, I believe that it's coming to Switch and beyond that, I don't know. So I'm not really expecting anything in particular. But I, I just hope that the Xbox fans get a showcase that they enjoy. We get the release date for Hellblade 2. And um, some people are saying that Indiana Jones might actually be coming this year, which would be pretty interesting, especially if it actually ends up looking like a good game. But um, if not for the fact that I really just... I, th- I think that it would be a huge mistake, and I don't think that they're as bad as Sony. I could almost see them re- <clears throat> having, uh, say say it's an Indiana Jones game, and then it's revealed that it's actually his goddaughter being the oh, the character. Oh. Um, yeah. Oof. So. <laughs> I did not watch that movie. I, I heard about the plot leaks before it happened, which were all true. And I refuse to touch that with a ten foot pole. But I I'm cautiously optimistic about the game. So we'll see what happens. And if it's terrible, no big loss. I'm kind of hoping that it ends up being like a better version of Uncharted, like it should be. Cause I like Uncharted, but there's definitely a lot more they could have done with those games. My throat's dry. Um, oh, but something we can also just very briefly talk about. In general, we don't really cover these Nintendo Switch 2 rumors because they're a dime a dozen. <laughs> and most of the time it just ends up feeling completely pointless because it's just like, okay, yeah, we've heard this rumor and this rumor until... Nintendo actually shows something or announces something, there's really no point in talking about it, but there is that uh, press release from AI Shark, was formerly Game Shark, 
that the Nintendo Switch 2 or Super Switch or whatever it's going to be called is supposed to be coming uh, this year. And I think they said what September that it's coming in September, which is an interesting, interesting thought. I think that this is probably one of the more believable rumors, I guess you could say. But I'm not, I'm still not convinced because there's just so many, so many of these rumors all the time. I don't know. What are your thoughts? I mean, I think that this is more credible than a lot of stuff just because of the fact that this was on uh, PR Newswire, which is a site that a lot of companies use for putting out their investor relation reports and any other sort of reports that they have, especially with finances and stuff like that. So I think that there is a lot of weight here. Could it be November? Maybe, I mean, I'm sorry, September. Uh, maybe, maybe not. But I do think that it could be at the very least announced this year. And if it doesn't come out this year, then maybe next year. That, that's what I think. Um, and I mean, considering the fact that the Switch is seven years old, and granted, Nintendo beats to the march of their own drum. Like, they do not mm -hmm. follow any sort of conventional generation standards or ideas like that. So, they might be waiting longer. They might, you know, not. They, they might be actually doing it. But I definitely think that it's. It, the Switch has had a long life. Um, mm hmm. They've, def they've done revisions to it. They've had the OLED. They've had the lights versions. But considering that, you know, people said that by the when it was released, it technically was already outdated hardware-wise. Mm -hmm. it, it definitely... The time is definitely right to release a, a Switch 2. Um, right. And I know that there's a lot of talk about, oh, what does it do? What's its capabilities? I know one of the general rules is that it would be on roughly about the level of a PS4, mm -hmm. which wouldn't necessarily be a bad thing. I mean, that's essentially roughly what the Steam Deck is um, as far as performance-wise. So, you know, if it's something like that, then that's fine. I think that one thing I will say, though, is that having the hybrid... Uh, console handheld factor I think it's possibly the best thing that Nintendo's done in a long time mm -hmm. uh, so I mean I, I think this is something that they probably should stick with I'll just say that I really hope that they if they do something like this and this is what the next console is I just would hope that they improve the quality of the Joy-Con so that there's no, no, no sticking, no drifting, stuff like that. Right. Yeah, this, um, the, all the rumors about the Switch, about the Switch 2, definitely give me some, some real, um, I, I guess hopes that, that it's actually going to be as good as people are saying, because the PS4 quality, I mean, that, that, makes perfect sense you know 
being on the same level power-wise. The thing that has me the most intrigued, though, is the idea of it potentially making use of DLSS 3. And, you know, that being, you know, not only to be able to upscale to 4K uh, through AI, but also be able to do frame generation, which I guess, I mean, like early on the frame generation, a lot of people had a lot of gripes with it, like just said it didn't work super well, but people have been saying it's actually gotten a lot better, that it actually works surprisingly well. And considering the fact that Nintendo is partnered with NVIDIA, Theoretically, they could very well be making use of of this stuff. Could have a legitimately custom chip instead of just using an X1, uh, the Tegra X1. Uh, of course, knowing Nintendo, it could just be that they're using the X2 now. <laughs> <laughs> but um, if, if they can actually make use of and if NVIDIA and them can work together in such a way that they can make something more custom, this could end up being much more than just the leap up to PS4 level. Mm. In I mean, even if it is more or less artificially higher than that. And that's something I'm, I'm very curious to see what happens with it. Now, personally, it's not a huge deal for me because I don't care that much about things getting more realistic and so on and so forth but it would be nice to see the switch doing better than it does right now and i mean i I definitely have like mixed reception on the quality of switch ports obviously my biggest thing is i would love to see 60 frames per second on every game at least and that doesn't always happen but it's one of those things where it would, it would still be neat to see it happen and see see them be able to not only have that, but then have better visuals, actually be able to do 4K, even if it is just, you know, the AI upscaling, which, you know, I, I don't even have a 4K TV. So for me, it doesn't it doesn't make an impact. But I think that it would be cool for people who have complained about that, because I know some people that they love certain Switch games, like some of their games of the year. Uh, for the last couple of years have been switch exclusive games like um tears of the kingdom and uh, xenoblade chronicles 3 and you know they've, they've said that they they absolutely love those games but they hate the fact that they don't that they look so terrible on a 4k screen and i could definitely understand that I play my games handheld more than anything, and the highest resolution screen I have is 1080p, other than my phone. Um, but I still definitely see that that could be something really great for the average person, because I think most people have 4K TVs now, because they're really cheap. Um, it's really easy to get a, a good cheap 4K screen. But I don't know. I mean, I, I guess I would say, though, that if this was a good enough upgrade and had an OLED screen, I could see myself potentially doing it. The main thing for me is that I'm still not sold on 4K, mostly because of the sheer amount of things I would have to buy to actually upgrade to 4K. And like the TV that I have in my room, 720p. Um, <laughs> it's, a, it's actually a, a 15 year old TV. Because, well, it's te- technically older than that. 
um, it was something that it, it's one of the only things that I've held on to for a long time. And it's because it was a TV that my dad and I went and picked out. Uh, it was a wedding present for me and my wife. And, um, it, you know, because of the fact that my dad is attached to it and, you know, he, he died five years ago, over five years ago now. It's something where I'm just like, I'm not willing to let it go. I had to let go of other things that reminded me of my dad, like the van that we drove up to Alaska and that I had owned for for like 12 years because um, we bought it from my parents after we got married. And, you know, I just very much think of my dad with that van because that was the one that he and I drove up to Alaska in when we moved up there in the first place in, uh, 21 years ago or little over 20 years ago, really. But, um, anyway, so I've, I've had to let go of a, a number of things related to my dad, and that was one thing I did, that TV I just didn't want to let go of, because it still works, and it was, I mean, it was like over $100 to ship it, but it was less expensive to ship it than it was to buy a new TV, technically, and it, the sentimental value is still there, so... That's why I still have it. But anyway, that's completely off topic. The point being... I don't care that much about 4K. I'm not ready to make the upgrade. And I don't know when I ever will. Because I'm sure it'll happen eventually. I just don't know when. But I do like the idea of Nintendo moving forward and trying to do more to make their platform better. While at the same time not having to do the same thing that the other platforms are doing. Keep doing, keep marching to the beat of their own drum and making, being one of the only companies that's not spending ridiculous amounts of money on every game they make and then not making it back. Um, yeah, that's pretty much my thoughts on that. I do want to mention one quick thing because I forgot to mention it while we were talking about the whole uh, Ubisoft thing. You know, people who say that these subscription services don't make much, I mean, aren't profitable, I, I think that they're just wrong. Because it's like, the reason why they keep doing these things is because they have a consistent source of revenue from a lot of different people, and a lot of people just don't even bother to cancel, even if they're barely using the service. And... They, you know, getting a consistent source of revenue versus $60 once every six months... I'm telling you, these subscription services make way more money than people think, and that's why things like like Ubisoft and and Game Pass and everything can do as well as they can. Whereas you have Sony, who their only profitable part is their gaming division, is PlayStation, and PlayStation's struggling and has had to cancel a bunch of stuff because they're not making enough of what they're spending on these huge games. And it's like we've been saying, you keep making these huge games that cost a lot to make, keep trying to push the envelope graphically, these balloon budgets, this thing is going to crash and crash hard. Potentially in the next, you know, five to six years. I, I just think something's going to happen, but that's going off topic. Or kind of like, related to slash off topic whatever <laughs> who cares 
All right. Any final thoughts before we close out for the night? Uh, I guess just one last thing I'll say or relates to Nintendo is that I one thing I would actually like is that uh, the next Switch iteration would have backwards compatibility. Yes. That's the one thing that I would like to see. Yeah. Yeah, the, the thing for me, it has to have backwards compatibility and there has to be an OLED version. I'm not going to buy another LCD and then just have them release an OLED later. I, I'm not doing <laughs> that again. I, it was fine the first time, and I'm I'm glad I bought the Switch when I did. I'm glad I got it at launch. There's no way I will ever have any regrets about that. But I definitely, if I had known there was an OLED version coming, I would have at least waited before I bought that second Switch. Instead of having to eventually sell the second Switch that I bought so that I would have a good excuse to buy the OLED. <laughs> I mean, I bought my OLED late anyway, but still, yes. So, we'll see what, what Nintendo does. If, if it's not backwards compatible, then I'm really going to just be waiting even longer, because I'm not cool with that. Like, I could get rid of my OLED, or I could, you know, we could sell my original Switch. My wife could have the OLED, and then I could get the Switch 2, but I'd rather just have a good reason to buy it because I, I just I have so much in the way of consoles I mean like you saw that picture for our thumbnail last week that was all the consoles that I have in boxes that are just sitting there and not doing anything may never be used again so I'm tired of it I'm going to stop doing stop buying that stuff until it, unless it, I'm actually going to make use of it All right, so recommendations and dissuasions. Why don't you start us off? All right. Uh, yeah, so I actually forgot about this. So I'm going to say my recommendation is to finish what you've started. Uh, if you have a project that you've been working on, go back and finish it. Um, you might get some satisfaction out of, you know, seeing the work that you've done be completed. Uh, it might be something that you enjoyed, something that you uh, may save some sort of part of a hobby that you did. Go back, finish it. If it's something that's important, definitely go back and finish it if it's important, because uh, that's going to just bite you in the butt if you don't. So that's my on-the-spot recommendation. All right. Well, my recommendation is a YouTube channel called Afterlife Gaming. Uh, very specifically, I want to point to his theory videos related to Metal Gear Solid. Um, I went down a rabbit hole and watched several of them after finishing the story for Metal Gear Solid 5 because I, I was waiting. I like I kept seeing those pop up in my YouTube feed, but I didn't watch them because I didn't want the, the story spoiled for me. Now that I've gotten the story completed, it's like, okay, now I can go through a bunch of these videos, and Afterlife Gaming definitely has the most interesting, well-thought-out videos that I've seen. And I, I've watched a few other, like, theory videos and, like, um, analysis videos on Metal Gear Solid, uh, on, specifically the Phantom Pain. And um, some of the theories are like, okay, I, I see how you came to that conclusion, but I don't necessarily agree with it. But Afterlife Gaming's videos, I find 
are not only well thought out, but actually really like, I think he's right on, on all the stuff he's been saying. So definitely go check out his channel, Afterlife Gaming on YouTube. He has a bunch of Metal Gear related videos and there's going to be spoilers, of course. So if you haven't played through the series, it's not necessarily going to be something that um, you will want to watch unless you just don't care enough about the story. But the story is much more interesting if you play the games as well. So there's that. Um, I don't want to say if you if you aren't wanting to get into the story lore of Metal Gear Solid uh, of that whole series, um, something that I, I just want to recommend for people in general is grind your own coffee. So... Um, you don't necessarily have to go as far as I do roasting your own coffee, you know, roast, uh, buying green coffee beans, roasting them, and and then going from there. But I say grind your own coffee rather than getting pre-ground because the quality difference is so much different. Now, yes, if you roast it yourself or if you get, like, really freshly roasted, it's going to be the best possible coffee you can get. But... Um, when it comes to coffee, basically think of it as the second you grind the beans, it's like opening a bottle of soda. There's only so long before it goes completely flat. And the same is true with coffee. If, if once, once you grind those beans, you start losing some of the oils, you start losing a lot of the flavor, it gets stale, and it just, the coffee's not nearly as good. Even, even though they vacuum seal it usually, especially like if you're buying things like Folgers, and Folgers, the beans are absolute garbage. They just, they, they take, they have no quality control. They let, uh, in order to get all of the chaff off of the beans, they will let it sit in a vat of water. And even if there's mold, they'll just throw it all together, throw it all in there for, for grinding. So you're, you're getting very low quality, terrible coffee doing Folgers. But if you do your own beans, even if... In many cases, it's because of uh, how dark roasts tend to be um, overdone. Uh, rather, that is in that they get they get roasted a little bit too much, and so you lose some of the oils. Shiny beans are because of the oils on the outside, and you're losing some of the flavor. But it's still better than Folgers. Always, it's better than Folgers, and it's better than most pre-ground coffee. It's better than Starbucks. I'm, uh, that's that's enough. I, I'm done. With that. Okay. <laughs> Dissuasions. Uh, my dissuasion. This is actually one that I had, or I was going to use last week, but I changed. And that is, do not ignore any potential warning lights that might be on your computer if you're having problems. Uh, if you are having a problem, and you look at it and you think, oh, it might be software related. There's a. It could be software related. But it also could be hardware related. Uh, and that's actually something that I neglected. I've ne neglected to do before where I thought it's software related. And then I look and I see, oh, it actually might be hardware related. So don't, don't, don't neglect. Again, it could, there is a chance it could be related to your software. But there also could be a chance it's related to your hardware. So don't neglect. Don't overlook that step. And you might actually have... Uh, a reason to uh, actually you might have something you can fix more easily if you 
just looked at your hardware and saw, oh look, there's a little light there that's blinking or something. Don't do that. All right, uh, well my dissuasion, and I, I, I wholeheartedly agree with yours by the way, uh, but my dissuasion is do not only subscribe to subscription services when it comes to games and well, movies, etc. as well, music, all that. Don't go with only subscription services because you will never own any of the things that you have. There's no guarantee that you'll get to keep listening to the stuff or watching the stuff that you want to watch. You're just at the whim of them. Them and them alone. And it's so much better if you purchase it yourself whenever you can. And I, I understand that sometimes from a financial standpoint that's just not feasible. I totally get that. But what I would say is just don't make it so that that's your only source for entertainment is through subscription services. Especially because that adds up a lot. And considering how many subscription services there are for different TV shows and movies and music and video games and everything else, you you could be easily spending hundreds of dollars every month just on the subscription services that you have versus you could just be putting that money towards actually buying things that you get to keep. And even if in some cases you are more or less just getting a license, it's still ultimately better than the streaming services. So don't do just those. It's fine to do them. Just don't make that your only source for entertainment unless you really just are somehow okay with owning absolutely nothing, which I'm not. So that's it. That's what I got. <laughs> All right. So where can people find you? Uh, they can find me on my channel, IamZericonYouTube.com forward slash at IamZericon, I-A-M-X-E-R-A-C-O-N. Uh, not certain what my next video will be. I, I had one that was covering the Capcom uh, DRM incident, but uh, we'll see. I had something that I planned, but I don't know if if, if it's still topical or not, so we'll, we'll, see, we'll see what happens. All right. Well, you can find me youtube.com slash at thefrozengamer87. Um, I've been putting out OLED comparison videos, the most recent one of which is a comparison between the Switch OLED and the Steam Deck OLED for Borderlands 2. Um, I did actually uh, get a chance to double check on the frame rate because I... Actually, never mind. I put that in the description. Um, but... Yeah, 90 frames per second, solid 90 frames per second on Borderlands 2 on the Steam Deck. Um, my next video, I haven't fully decided which one I'm doing yet. Originally, I was going to do Borderlands the pre-sequel, but I'm not sure now because, at least so far, Borderlands 2 is getting very, very low engagement uh, compared with the others. Usually, the other ones, like I have, I have, would have over a thousand views by now. This one, I have like 150. So, um, I'm not sure if it's just nobody's interested in watching Borderlands 2 or what it is, uh, but I 
am either going to do Borderlands the pre-sequel, I may still do that, or I may move on to something different, which um, would probably be either Final Fantasy XII, the Zodiac Age, uh, doing comparison between Steam Deck and Switch, or doing one of my Vita comparisons and doing like maybe Vita versus Switch on Final Fantasy X HD or potentially doing Steam Deck versus Vita again and doing the PS1 version of Metal Gear Solid comparing that between the Vita and or the Vita through the internal PS1 emulator versus the Duck Station emulated version on the Steam Deck. I don't. I haven't fully decided what I'm doing yet. I I have to record that, figure it out. Um, but one way or another, we'll we'll make some more progress on that front. Um, additionally, as I've mentioned the past few weeks, I do have a cooking channel called Not Authentic But Delicious. That's YouTube.com/slash/at N-A-B-D Cooking. Uh, most recently this week, I put out a uh, recipe for. Hardy Chili, or also known as So Hardy It Broke the Ladle Chili, from the time that it broke a plastic ladle when I was stirring it. Um, but additionally, I also just today put my channel intro video that just gives an overview of what the channel's all about, and um, really just kind of gives you a good idea of who I am and why it is that I put together this channel in the first place. Uh, the funny thing is, so I I have this uh, folder just full of various uh, royalty-free music, most of which I got from YouTube, and I just randomly picked a song from from that, listened to it a little bit. It's like, okay, this sounds nice. Didn't realize it had words in it initially, and added it to the video as I was editing this evening. And um, at one, the songs at a certain point starts having actual like words to it and even though I'm pretty sure the guy is probably talking to a girl talking about a girl at one point um, he says something like uh, you tickle my appetite something to that effect and it's, <laughs> it's literally during a section where I have a bunch of images of various things I've made throughout the years various food items and so it's just like it's just like perfect timing, you know. It's, it's, it's just like it's it's quite funny that it ended up that way. It's like uh, the song came from God, <laughs> but uh, yeah. So so yeah, there, there's the channel intro video now for for the channel. And uh, Monday the twenty second, the next recipe that's going up is for green Thai curry, and that's with chicken, ton of veggies jasmine rice it's fantastic one of my favorite recipes um don't make it very often because it, it takes a lot of effort uh just because there's well i shouldn't say, it's maybe not a lot of effort but it just it takes a little bit of time to make because there's lots of veggies to chop up and then the chicken and there's just a bunch of different steps to it but it's it's all really good stuff and it's really really good food so All right. Uh, any thoughts before we close out for the night? No, sir. All right. I just realized I didn't come up with an outro yet, so I guess we'll just we'll swing it.
So, I am the Frozen Gamer 87. That is I am Zeracon. We are the Orange Box Podcast. And until next time, you too could be the man who sold the world. Or something like that. Orange Box Podcast. <laughs>